Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. We've got a, for a guest today, Matthew Trog, Trog, and he goes by Trog, which that name's pretty easy to figure out on where that nickname came from. He's out of Dallas, and he's got an amazing ministry to tell us about that just a couple of simple guys saw a need and said, you know what, we got to solve this problem. But first, a verse from Scripture from Matthew 4.19, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew Trog Trog, and welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, I'm so excited for everybody to hear about this, because when I was reading about your ministry, and I don't even remember how somebody told me about it, I'm like, really? That's pretty cool. It was probably uh, my—I've got lots of friends all over the place. They're always telling me about, hey, you need to interview this person, you need to interview this person. But before we get to that, I really want to just hear today, Trog, how is Jesus Christ making a difference in your life today? Yeah, you know, when I think about what Christ is doing, um, I, I love that song by Chris Tallman, He's a Good, Good Father. And so uh, I think he's he's showing me a deeper faith and trust in him. You know, I get to see uh, miraculous stuff happen all the time on the farm, and we get donations and gifts and, and all sorts of cool stuff. But it's the little details of life where Christ shows up. Uh, and, and to me, that's what he is showing me and, and, and speaking to my heart is that he is a good, good father and he knows what we need before we even ask. 
When you talk about Christ showing up, have you ever had a time where he didn't show up when he needed to show up? I, you know, I can't think of one, to be honest. Um, you know, they say he's never early and he's never late. He's always <laughs> right on time. And, it's just not our uh, time. That's right. That's right. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I really can't. Well, it's because he would, he always shows up. Christ is there by our side, but when we're always asking him for him to deliver on our time schedule, and I remind everybody in this new generation coming up here that we call them the millennials, and then there's the generation after that they haven't named yet, is that, you know, we live in a microwave world. Instant everything, but we serve a crockpot God. Mm-hmm. Now, now, if you didn't grow up in the Midwest, you might not know what crockpot is. I know in Florida they don't use crockpots because it's too stinking hot. But anyway, <laughs> you live in Dallas, and it's hotter there than it is here. So we're, let's talk quickly about – well, not, just we're coming up on a break in a couple of minutes. We're here to talk about food deserts in the inner city and how you have been led to a ministry to solve the problem of food deserts. First of all, what is a food desert? Sure. A food desert is a low-income community without ready access to healthy and affordable food. The USDA would say it has to have at least 500 people, and they have to live more than one mile away from a supermarket or a grocery store. Um, That doesn't sound like a big deal to people with transportation, but in my community, 63% don't have transportation, and so it's three miles to the nearest grocery store. And to surmise that, It takes about three hours by a bus ride to go to the grocery store, get your groceries, get them back home, and that's only the amount that you can carry on your hand. So it's a big, big problem. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And I, until I read the article about your ministry, I thought, I've seen it before. I've seen the plight of people dependent on the quick trips, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the, the, convenience, the little convenience stores, and they're eating stuff out of there. In fact, I know of a food desert right in our town. It's right on the, right on the edge of Largo and Clearwater where there isn't a grocery store for three miles and people eat the food at the Hess gas station. That's that, right. That's where they go. And, and we're one because I know a lot of police officers that go in and out of that has gas station because they're they're collecting people all the time. But it's that's a, that's it's an amazing plight in the American community where people can't get access to groceries. Yes, it is. So start off just talking about what, what the what's the name of your ministry? So the name of the farm is Bonton Farms. Our community's name is Bonton, so we named it Bonton Farms. The overarching umbrella, that is one piece of the larger ministry. The larger ministry is HIS Bridge Builders, and that stands for Hope in Salvation Bridge Builders. And so we like to bridge the gap between the North Dallas, which for us is the um, uh, affluent neighborhoods, to South Dallas, which is the impoverished communities, and bridge not only the financial means, but the spiritual means as well to both communities. I love that. We're talking with Matthew Trog Trogden. He goes by Trog, so I'm going to call him that, so don't think I'm being disrespectful. We're talking to Trog about this ministry in South Dallas called His Bridge Builders, but it, the, the, the crux of it is the Bonton Farms. Trog, talk to me about a food desert. Describe it again for those people that may be just tuning in right now. Sure. It's a a low-income community without ready access to healthy and affordable food. And the USDA would say, you know, the community needs to have about 500 people and living less than or uh, more than rather one mile from a supermarket. So if you're an inner city community that's impoverished and you're living farther than one mile away from a grocery store, chances are you're in a food desert. And this is a 
this is happening all over the country. I mean, this is not just limited to South Dallas, right? Correct. It's it's everywhere. Atlanta, L.A. I mean, pretty much any major city. Um, this is this is happening. You know, I don't know. We're we're Tampa Bay is a very large community, four and a half million people, about nine different counties, spreads all over the place. But I know in my community, less than eight miles from my house, where in order to get to this community, I have to pass about a dozen grocery stores. But I can point to an area of Pinellas County, which is the county where Clearwater Beach is. In case you want to know, and in case you want to go on vacation this next winter, because it's really nice here. Uh, there's a food desert because my buddies in the ministry who have a church are right in the center of a food desert there's there's yep. no grocery stores within a mile and it just as you said people go on the bus and it's they can all they can take is what they can carry home and it could take them two or three hours to grocery shop yep it's an incredible um, thing that's happening it's a kind of a phenomenon that's happening in the inner cities all right but you didn't start off in inner city ministry you started off in plano texas as a pastor in a church Yes, I did. So talk to me about that. How did God move you from being a pastor in a in a beautiful little suburb of Plano, Texas, to all of a sudden being inner city ministry planting a farm? Well, man, it's a long story. I'll try to make it short for you. Um, I got my MBA and my BBA in 2002, so I spent nine years actually in the workforce and then went through a layoff, and that's when I went into full-time ministry at a church in Plano. Um, and that was in 2011. So I was a small group pastor at Christ Church Plano and loved it. Um, but before that, in 2008, God had really just broken my heart for the poor. And so uh, you've probably seen World Vision or Compassion International where you can raise money to send goats and chickens overseas and dig water wells and sponsor children. And, and so my buddy and I started this thing called Project 2540 off of Matthew 2540. And uh, we just started, you know, raising money from all of our business friends and, and sending goats and chickens and all that stuff overseas. And uh, what was really interesting was uh, I, I went on staff at the church in 2011, and in about 2013, God started sparking my heart for more. And I have three main passions, discipleship, helping the poor, and evangelism. And uh, God just kept that burden heavy on my heart. And my mentor, Mike Fetchner, was actually uh, sick with cancer. And I'd had a lunch with him, and he shared with me those three passions that I have that I had been doing for years on the side that they were doing fully in Bonton. And uh, he wanted me to come down and check it out and meet a guy named Darren Bab Babcock, and uh, he had just started a little garden. And so I went down there, and I saw it, and we had started an aquaponic system he had, and uh, I just said, man, I have to do this. So I actually left my uh, church very uh, good leaving. I'm still a member there, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I went down. I started raising support full-time like any missionary would. And uh, went to Bonton and started serving, you know, five, six days a week. Well, that was quite a big move. When you were in, you said you were in the workforce, but not in ministry for nine years before you went into full-time ministry. Now, were you a Christ follower when you were out there in the workforce? I was. But, I but nobody was. had ever told you that that was full-time ministry? Well, and and I should qualify that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe that. Uh, no, no, because most people, most people are sitting out there listening today, going, "Well, I, I, you know, my pastor, he's in full time ministry. I'm just going to work." Yeah, well, and I would, I would love to correct that and say our work is our worship. You know, our the marketplace is our mission field, and so whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God, and we can, we can be, and should be the the light everywhere. In fact, I would say that that our um, place of work is our platform. 
for the kingdom and for Christ. And so um, for me, I just say full-time ministry, meaning I get paid to do full-time ministry. But no, I, I agree with you 100% that every job's sacred and, and every uh, everything we do is, is glory and honor to God when we, when we do it with that heart. You've been called to the blighted areas of our inner cities, which there are blighted areas of our inner cities all over the place. I mean, literally, you know, I'm not talking inner city where I was describing in Pinellas County. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a place that, I mean, it's right there in the middle, but just a lot of people don't have cars. They can't afford cars. And uh, it's, it's tough. So there are these places all over the uh, country. Are people, are people starting to study what you're doing there so they can start duplicating it all over the country? Yeah, I, I think there are. There's there's a big movement going on um, all over. You know, I I, uh, I think I, the guy's name is Ron Finley um, in California. He's he's actually not a Christian that I know of, but he started doing some stuff in L.A. because uh, it, it's really um, kind of a groundswell that people are, are realizing that uh, I think locally grown food and organic food in and of itself is extremely valuable. Um, but then when you when you take into consideration these communities that literally, you know, we have the highest rate of cancer, stroke, diabetes, cardiovascular, uh, cardiovascular disease in the city and the county. And it's because people are living off of sweet tea, honey buns and hot fries at the liquor store. And so, um, you know, when so many people are getting sick and, and your family's going to the hospital, et cetera, the, I think the nation is kind of waking up to we have to do something about this. I love it. And it's the church. The church is rising up going, because, because as far as I know, there are no government subsidies for planting a farm in the inner city. So it's the church raise, rising up to respond to a, a need for the poor, which Christ called us to serve the poor. And I love this. So let's get back to food deserts. So sure. your your mentor is the one who opened up your eyes to this problem in the inner city. And he had started with an aquaponics pond. So why don't you explain that? Because that's just a, well, it depends on how big it is. I mean, that could be as small as, you know, four by eight. I've seen some of them locally. <laughs> how big was the aquaponics pond, uh, pond that your uh, mentor had started? Yeah, it, that's, that's a great question. It was probably a, a four by 12. Uh, and I'd clarify one thing. Uh, my, my mentor's name was Mike Fetchner, who launched the ministry. And Darren Babcock is my team leader who okay. moved into Bonton. And so Darren is the one we started uh, the aquaponics. But it was a 4 by uh, four by 12 unit. Uh, it was really – and, in fact, we didn't even have a greenhouse. We just built it outside for probably 800 bucks. And um, then we put some shade cloth over it. And then, by God's grace, I got to go to a training with him and by a guy named Murray Hallam. If anybody's interested in aquaponics, Murray Hallam's incredible. Um, he has some YouTubes, et cetera. But – um, anyway, and we learned his system is called a chop constant height one pump system, and we had a donor uh, pay for a, a probably a fifteen thousand dollar aquaponics building or greenhouse that, that they did for about eight thousand dollars, and so we encased it, and it was just a beautiful system. Well, the beauty to aquaponics is you, you've got your you've got water watering plants, and then the plants distribute. Well, uh, well, actually, it starts with feeding the fish who then eat the food, who then fertilize the bottom of the tank, and that water is then sucked up and then waters the plants, and the fertilizer comes from the fish, and then it drains back down and it all cycles back and forth, right? That's the whole idea behind aquaponics, right? That, that's exactly it. You're, you have the ability to grow protein in the fish and vegetables on the other side simultaneously together year-round when you put it in a greenhouse. So it's one of the most beautiful symbiotic relationships. You know, the Bible says that all nature declares this glory. 
And it's just such a beautiful picture where the waste from the fish fertilizes the plants, and the plants clean the water to give the fish clean water. And a small unit can grow just as much as a normal-sized garden would or sometimes double because you're growing year-round. Well, and, and you say you eat the fish too? Yeah, absolutely. You can harvest the fish. So when they grow too big, then you eat the fish? Yeah, that's right. They're all named Skillet. <laughs> all right. All right, we're talking today with Matthew Trog Trogdon. And we're talking with Trog about food deserts in our inner cities. And they're all over the place. Trog, as God opened up your eyes to the plight of this neighborhood in Bonton in South Dallas, how far is this from downtown Dallas where all the pretty tall buildings are? Seven minutes. Seven minutes Seven by minutes car or by, by bike or by walking? Car. Okay. Oh. So not very far. Seven minutes with 30-mile-an-hour roads and a bunch of stoplights. You know what's at a couple of miles then, right? Two, three miles? Yeah, it, it's probably yeah, three, four miles max. Okay. So you've, you've got these places in the inner city where nobody can get to a grocery store conveniently. It's more than a mile away. People are eating at fast food, you know, little quick quick trips or whatever you want to call them, PDQs, whatever they are down there. What are, what are, what are the places where they're eating at in the local neighborhoods there? Is there any franchise things popping up in the neighborhoods? No, actually, there's no franchise. You know, the average household income in our Section 8 housing here is about $2,500 a year. So there's no there's no franchise. It's actually just liquor stores, um, really? Sam's Liquor and Big Daddy's. Yeah. So um, we don't our, – our nearest McDonald's is, again, three, four miles away. So there's no grocery stores, but you just said there's liquor stores. Yes. So they don't have money for – they can't get access to good groceries, but they can get access to liquor stores. Yeah, there's actually uh, one just closed down. I think we've got, uh, well, two left. So there's two liquor stores in the community, yeah. Wow, so that's tough. So that means not only is their money really tight and they don't get to buy quality food, but they have ready access to alcohol, which is more of a destructor than not having good food. Yeah, our our neighborhood is very um, drug-ridden, um, alcohol-ridden. I mean, it, um, it's very it's very tough and, and rough place, so... Um, yeah, there are a lot of a lot of bad things that are readily available, and it's it's even worse for the kids because the kids go to get a honey bun at the liquor store, you know, and so they get influenced at an early age, which is another problem to the the food desert is that our kids are exposed at such a young age to such terrible things. Well, okay, now a honey bun is not a terrible thing unless you're living <laughs> off of them. I, I just just clarification because I've had a honey bun or two, and and I kind of like them, but I'm not living off of them, so that's fair. I I got vegetables last night, so we're going to talk about healthy eating. <laughs> Have you ever eaten a honey bun? I mean, you're ripping into honey buns. I mean, seriously, well, you live in the South. You live in the for, South. For, forgive me. I, I was actually saying the liquor stores are the bad influence, not the honey bun. Okay. I, honey okay. Bun. So, yeah. yeah, I love honey buns. I, I've actually had way too many in my life. But, yeah, I was talking about the liquor stores that okay. are, are, are terrible, yeah. All right, listen, it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by MTL Magazine. Our friends at MTL Magazine have worked hard to put together an amazing magazine and website that helps us grow in our faith as they highlight authors, artists, books, movies, and so much more. MTL represents more to life, and our friends at MTL believe there is a Christian product that will help you get more out of your life in Christ. Whether you're looking for resources about faith, family, relationships, money, health, and the world, or everyday life, mtlmagazine.com, that's mtlmagazine.com. It's an excellent resource for you, for me. I know you will love it. You can find out more online at mtlmagazine.com. Hey, our book today, our highlighted book today is written by you, Trog Trogden. It's called A Walk to Wisdom, 31 Days Through the Proverbs. How did you, why did you write this book? 
Yeah, I had a friend in college, before I was really reading the, the Bible, um, I had a friend in college tell me, you know, there are 31 days in the Proverbs, just read a chapter a day and it'll get you started. And I, I, I joke about it, but I was a freshman in my faith, but I was a senior at college. And uh, he told me that, and it was easy to learn and hard to forget, and so I started doing that, and it really uh, grew my faith. But what I couldn't find over the years was just a book of Proverbs. You can find a New Testament, you could find a devotional, but I really wanted just the text of the Word of God uh, and some reflection questions that um, you could let the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth. And so when I came to Bonton and I realized that my community is a very fatherless community um, because of incarceration and, and um, the multiple um, partners that, that different people have. And so uh, I wanted to get the wisdom of God in the hands of my friends. Uh, and I thought, man, there's no better book than the Proverbs uh, to give them and produce. So I called the publisher, and he did some research and said, man, there's nothing like this on the market. I'd love to produce it. And I said, well, let's do it, and let's get all the profits to go to the ministry. So that's why I produced the book. Great. So people can find out more about your book online at, uh, well, where can they find it online? They can buy your book online at Amazon, right? They can. I would prefer them to go to a awalktowisdom.com like um, because more profit will go to the ministry. So awalktowisdom.com. Or they can go to their local Christian retailer and request it from awalktowisdom.com. All right, so we're back talking about food deserts. Let's talk about the business. So your 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 ministry partner Darren, he started first. Was he already a? Had he grown up in agriculture in Iowa? I mean, how did he learn to be a farmer? <laughs> no, uh, none of us were farmers. I grew up in a small rural uh, town, Bolivar, Missouri. It's near Springfield. If anybody knows where that is, but uh, no, neither of us were farmers. Uh, you know, we just YouTube and Googled a lot, and of course, the Lord kept bringing people into our path to show us you know, grow beds and hugel culture and aquaponics and chickens. And so God really blessed us with the people and the expertise. But we just, by faith, saw a need. You know, we make disciples. Our ministry is a discipleship ministry. And what we say is, as you love people, their burdens become your burdens. And so we call our businesses burden-born businesses. Um, so we just saw this need. Too many people were sick and going to the hospital and getting legs amputated and strokes and cancer. And, and uh, we just decided, you know, the Nothing was going to come in with an, an average household income of $2,500. You're not going to get a lot of business and industry to come in. So we just said, let's, let's do what we can do. Wow. And so you decided to start planting a farm in a food desert. And, and I love that idea because it started with this aquaponics pond, which then grew, as you said, you put it under a roof and into a greenhouse so you could do it year round because in Dallas it gets so cold. I know it does get below freezing there. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. It's because people don't realize how far north Dallas really is. It's pretty far north because South Dallas is South Texas is pretty far south. But. <laughs> I know that was just incredible. In case you wanted geography, I'm willing to teach it on the side. So when you when you started this, it was just on. Did you have like a whole city block when you guys started this, or or did you even just have half of just have a lot? What did you have? Yeah, Darren bought the lot next door to his house. He moved in um, to an old trap house, which is called a drug house. That kind of goes back to the the terrible things our kids are you know um, exposed to at an early age. And and he renovated that house and he bought the lot next door. So we jokingly say that we grew a lot of Bermuda grass and weeds the first year because there just wasn't the, the dirt was not uh, amended. Uh, but what happened is, you remember the old movie Field of Dreams? I, you know, I went there. I've been there. I went. I went there because it was in Iowa. And I grew up in Minnesota. Yep. 
Oh, that's incredible. Well, the famous line is, if you build it, they will come. And, and we say, if you live a life for Jesus that demands an explanation, people will ask you. And so, um, and that's wherever you are. So we planted this little garden in this uh, open lot next to Darren's house. And what happened is uh, ambulances would stop, policemen would stop, you know, the mayor came down, uh, people from all over the nation and even the world now have come down. And Habitat for Humanity gave us some, some empty lots on the end of Bear Street. Uh, the city gave us two more lots. A church gave us. And what we have now, uh, which started from one small garden and one small empty lot, we have 1.2 acres. We've got eight milking goats, 200 chickens, turkeys, pigs, ducks, rabbits, and we grow a, a crazy amount of food. All right, we're talking today with Trog Trogden. He is involved in a ministry like no other ministry I'd ever read about ever before. But it answers so many questions, and it really answers the questions that Jesus was asking. How are you going to serve the poor? Trog, as you found this opportunity to really to start farming in just south of Dallas, in the inner city, did it blow your mind? I mean, to, I mean, you probably already knew there was suffering in the inner city, but did you ever think you'd be farming? No, I, in fact, growing up in a small rural town, I, you know, I thought I was way too cool to, to be in this rural area. And so I, I moved to school, got my degrees and came to Dallas thinking I would, in, in a sense, uh, kind of build my own kingdom. And then the Lord had different plans. And uh, now I find myself uh, in nature every day. And, and uh, God is just so amazing how he brings you full circle. So I had no idea I would ever be farming, especially in a city of all places. I mean, it, uh, that's a, an oxymoron, right? You're practically in the shadows of the sky, of the uh, the huge uh, skyscrapers in downtown Dallas. I mean, you're, you're within, I mean, four miles away. I mean, they're right there. The, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So you and Darren started with the lot next door to his house with a aquaponics pond. And what were you growing? What was the first thing you were growing? Um, yeah, typical stuff, uh, tomatoes and okra and, and pretty much whatever we knew would, would grow in Texas. Um, you know, some squash and uh, sweet potatoes and things like that. I thought they only grew okra in Oklahoma. Oh, sorry. I just had to do that. All right. That's good. <laughs> I Sorry. I learned that years ago. I just can't walk away from it. All right. So you're gro- Sorry. I know that was just terrible. And this is not a comedy show either. I just, I just, every once in a while, I just got to, I can't, I got to say what's on my mind. All right. So you started with this little garden, and then you say, then you got a couple of lots from uh, Habitat for Humanity, and then the city donated some lots. And now you have how many lots? Uh, I guess it's about 11 lots. It's 1.2 acres. Uh, 1.2 acres. People have no idea how big an acre. An acre, isn't an acre like 40,000 square feet? Yeah, it's quite a bit of land. Um, it's, It's about 11 city lots, so it's pretty big. So you got 11 city lots, and those were already empty. Those were lots that were, they didn't have houses on them, or did you guys have to tear down houses? No, it was abandoned land. It was actually where um, the guys in our neighborhood, what they would tell us is they would, you know, steal safes and, and do some crime things and go back behind in that abandoned land and break them open. In fact, I found a, uh, a lock that was bolt cut with a key still in it when we were clearing the land and the trees. So it was just old abandoned land by the Trinity River where it used to flood a lot. Okay. All right. So you get these lots and you're thinking farming, but, and you grew up in a small town, but you didn't grow on a farm, grew up on a farm. You grew up in a small town. So there's, there's yeah, a difference. 
Because, I mean, not everybody grew up in a small town actually gets to farm, especially since now the farms are 2,000, 3,000 acres at a place. So you're not only planting things. I mean, everything's not aquaponics, right? You're planting some stuff in the ground, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a traditional traditional garden. In fact, our the aquaponics right now is our smallest piece of the whole farm. All right, so you're planting stuff in the ground, and then all of a sudden, you went livestock. Talk to me about the expansion to livestock. Yeah, so um, we we want to provide food for people, and the local liquor store has um, you know typical eggs for I think they're three dollars uh, a dozen or two eighty nine something like that, and we realized that with chickens. Um, they'll lay about an egg a day minus Sunday. They take a Sabbath, um, you know, and so um, with 30. They do not. They do not. You're talking to a bunch of city people here. Do they really only lay eggs six days a week? Yeah, yeah. The the breeds that we get lay about five to six days a week and take a day off. Um, Okay, but it's not always Sunday. No. Okay, so you just just lied on national radio. Okay, all right, all right. right. But you're a pastor. Come on. Okay. yeah. so basically, uh, we realized we did the numbers, you know, and, and 30 chickens uh, laying an egg a day, um, six days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year. It just it would create a lot of opportunity uh, for food. And so what we do is we sell the eggs for their they're organic eggs, they're free range chickens. And so we sell them at our White Rock Farmers Market to in more affluent neighborhoods for six dollars a dozen. We always sell out and then we sell them in the neighborhood for $3. And if somebody can't pay, we do a pay it forward. And we just say, give us what you can. and Somebody will give the difference. So um, it was just, again, the nature of the beast is that we had a need and and chickens laid eggs. And then from there, we realized that goats will produce milk and uh, we could process the milk. And we have chefs now that buy our milk. So they'll uh, use the milk in their restaurants. And so it's another way to to bring in income. Um, So, yeah, livestock was kind of a natural uh, outpouring of what we were doing. Well, you you missed the part about the fertilizer that chickens produce. Uh, Yeah, the fertilizer. uh, Chickens, obviously, the manure is great fertilizer. Same with goats. Uh, So we have compost piles, and uh, with the manure, it really um, speeds up that whole process and makes great, rich soil. All right, so let's talk about the, I mean, so your aim at first was let's bring real food, not honey buns, which you're ripping into earlier, and alcohol, and uh, I just said hot fries for people to eat off of. Let's bring real food so people can start eating nutritious food, vegetables, eggs. Um, did Have you gone to pigs so people can eat bacon? I mean, because that's really only fair. We just got three pigs last Thursday. Now, are you going <laughs> to... Are you planning on eating the pigs? I mean, you're going to stuff them full of, I mean, you're going to eat the pigs, right? Yeah, that's, that's probably what Because bacon is just another way I know Jesus loves me. That's I have a shirt <laughs> that says that. All right, so you, you want to bring real food to these people, but you're not only, talk to me about, so what you're doing, you're growing food, you're selling mm-hmm. food, but talk about how it's impacting your community. Yeah, well, it, it's incredible. Um, you know, our, our tagline is called Growing Hope. And so um, we say that our, our farm, obviously, it's meeting this great big need and this burden, um, but really, it's, it's even bigger than that. It's a vehicle to make disciples. We have six guys that have a job. Two of them are full-time employees, and four of them are on a stipend program with us. One of my guys has been sober for 21 months. He couldn't speak two years ago, and now he's, he's praising Jesus every day. Um, we have guys that have been in and out of prison for 10, 20 years that are, that are um, staying out of prison. We have a, a guy that was a, 
a Muslim imam in prison, and um, now he's come to Jesus and sharing his faith. And so it's really a discipleship ministry that is growing hope for the men that work with us every day. And so it's, it's the best avenue not only to grow food but to grow hope for a community um, and, and to really just be Jesus to those uh, who want to see a tangible expression of the gospel. So you're teaching people how to work. Because farming, farming's work. A farming in the inner cities probably a lot more work. But I mean, yeah. so you're teaching people how to work. You're, you're. Are they actually able to make money while they're working at the farm? Yes. Okay, um, so they're getting paid an hourly wage to work there. Yeah, two of our guys are, are full-time employees of Bridge Builders, and the other four are working towards that. And okay. so they're on a, a stipend program, which is where we give them a certain amount of money every week. So. so you got guys working. You're teaching people how to farm. So has your farm then inspired others to plant gardens in their backyard, too, so they can start eating more healthy? Yeah, it, it, it really has. I, I had a friend in South Carolina who's a pastor. Uh, that wants to start a garden. Uh, my church in Plano actually partnered with an elementary school, uh, Meadows Elementary uh, in Plano. Uh, we have some friends from uh, the Panhandle of Texas that started actually a Bible study in a, uh, government housing in, in Childress. And so, it, and, and really that's our goal is, you know, as a parachurch organization, um, you know, we're not the, the church entity, so to speak, but we want to uh, light on fire the church and kind of inspire the church to be uh, and do even more uh, for the impoverished people. And like you had said earlier, you know, uh, Jesus went to the poor and the marginalized. And so uh, I think we're seeing a spark happening and kind of igniting the church to to be all that God's called them to be. Well, and you are the church. I mean, that's that's the thing that, you know, a lot of us grew up in the church and we're like, well, the church is people that go to church and then you get parachurch ministries. No, no, no. The church is the body of Christ. You've got the church, the body of Christ, doing incredible things in the inner city feeding people real food. I mean, how incredible is that? You're feeding the hungry. And what a great deal. And and to see people walk away from alcohol. How many months did you say he was clean? 21 months? Uh, 21 months. And and even more, um, it was PCP, which is a really hard drug to kick. And so it just shows the grace of Christ in his life. And it's so beautiful. Um, 21 months sober. Yeah. So you're, so you're not only feeding people, you're employing people, you're bringing money, the money that you're bringing into the community, what are you using that for? Like when you sell, I mean, some of it's going to pay wages, but are you, are you able to use the money to help do other projects in the city? Um, yeah, not yet. Uh, this is our first year to really grow. I mean, we, it was a forest 12 months ago. Right. And so, um, the money, did you sell the lumber? Well, actually, um, we give it to a friend who burns uh, the wood, and then he gives us the ashes, which helps the minerals for the soil. Perfect. Um, so everything's kind of uh, you know used. Nothing goes to waste. Um, but, yeah, all right now the money, we're not producing a ton of money, so it really goes to the stipend for our guys and the wages. And, and, and we're raising a lot of money to finish building out the farm. Uh, once we finish building out the farm, the money that we bring in will be more to stabilize it, et cetera. But right now we're still in the money-raising process. So what does it mean to build out the farm? What do you mean by that? Well, like I said, we just got pigs um, last week. So you gotta make, um, you got to have mud troughs because they like to roll around the mud. <laughs> That's right. Well, you guys have had enough water. You should be able to have enough mud for years. Yes, we, we've had uh, – and, and this is a cool story. Um, we planted the garden and built it. Uh, without water. We didn't have water and electricity, and we had one of the wettest summers we've ever had in Dallas, and so God's grace is so good. 
Um, but to build out the farm, we're going to build a community building where we can uh, process the milk and have a Bible study and sell our hats and T-shirts and books, et cetera. And then connected to that is going to be another aquaponics building. So we're going to build another aquaponics building. So when I say build out the farm, there's still a few things that we want to finish building uh, before we would consider it you know, uh, finished. What I want to hear as we start closing out the show, we got another segment, but I want people to hear how can I do this? Because you're talking just this this community called Bonton, south of Dallas. How many other communities are there like that just in the Dallas area? Oh, gosh. I, I, I couldn't give you an accurate number. Uh, many. Wait, well, what, what, like a dozen or four dozen? I would say more like four dozen, you know, and that's probably on the low end. But it's a staggering, so it's a staggering problem, and and that's just Dallas. You know, that's not talking about Austin, Houston, San Antonio, all the other big cities all over Dallas, and it's the same problem all over Tampa Bay and Orlando and Jacksonville and Pensacola and Orlando. I said that twice in Miami, and I mean it's all over the place. This stuff happens all over the place. Yes, it does. But it doesn't overwhelm you because we serve a big God, and I know that that's what you're saying. When we come back, I want people to hear from you how they can learn from you because maybe there's some church people listening today going, wait a minute, I don't have to go to the third world in order to serve the poor? I can do that here (laughs) in my own community? You're like, absolutely. So so we've got Matthew Trog Trogden on the air today. Trog has got a ministry called His Bridge Builders in South Dallas in a community called Bonton, and their farm's called Bonton Farms. We'll have a lot more on Facebook tonight. Trog, as we close out the segment, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but we run out of time, but I really wanted people to to understand this is, a, well, just describe your ministry really quick. Yeah, um, we're a discipleship ministry that uh, as we love our people the way that, that Jesus loves us, um, their burdens become our burdens, and we try and meet that need. And the, one of the biggest needs in our community uh, was the, the need for healthy, affordable food that was close to their home. So we planted a garden uh, in South Dallas. How have you seen the health of your people impacted? Um, I, I think that's going to be a longer, kind of more Wait. of a generational thing. You know, we're, we're growing food they've never seen. You know, the kids don't know what, um, you know, where apples and fish and, and this stuff comes from. And so our goal, once we get our buildings built out, is to have a whole education piece about healthy food. We, you know, we grow things like Swiss chard. And we have them mix it with collard greens so they can, um, you know, take their dishes and, and, and taste some different food. And so I think we're at the very, very beginning of a, kind of a, a change and shift towards that over the next generation. That's fantastic. So tell people how they can find out more about Bonton Farms right down there in Dallas. How, what's, what's the best website for them to go to? Yeah, we've got two. Uh, BontonFarms.org is our website. Uh, so Bonton, B-O-N-T-O-N, Farms.org. Of course, we have a Facebook page. We would love for you to like that because uh, we have lots of pictures every day, uh, and that's just Facebook backslash Bonton Farm. And then our overarching ministry is HISBridgeBuilders.org. So those are the best ways to connect with us. Matthew Trog Trogden, thanks so much for being on iWork for him. I'd really like to follow up again six months from now to see about more of the impact after your first winter there in Dallas. I'd love to hear more. That'd be great. Thanks so much for participating on iWork for him and just being a great guest and inspiring. Everybody else needs to do this. Thanks, Trog. Thanks, Jim. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks to, to Ace Andrews. Did a great job keeping keep me connected to Dallas the whole time. No problems there. Thanks so much to our show sponsors. Please do business with them. Go out to iWorkForHim.com and see the links to their sites. What did you learn today? 
and how we can take this city for Jesus Christ. You heard about farming today. Can we take the city for farming with farming? You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our community if we're willing to be open up to whatever the Lord asks us to do. Trog, Trogden, he wasn't born a farmer. He grew up in the small town, but he wasn't a farmer. And the Lord said, I want you to leave your cushy church job, and I want you to go to the inner city, and I want you to feed people. And he's like, what? And the Lord is showing him now 1.2 acres of farm in the inner city of South Dallas in a place called Bonton. And you know what? What's going on there? Those food deserts where there's no grocery stores anywhere within a mile or two or three. This is a this is a plague across our country. All over the place this is going on. We can it can impact your neighborhood too. Are you willing to plant food and feed the hungry? That's one way we could take Tampa Bay. There's there's food deserts everywhere. Look up online bontonfarms.org You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business but I've never been a farmer but ultimately I work for him. So let's take-